Welcome to Kingdom.Think. Today we're covering 2 Samuel 20, 21, Psalms 1, 46, and 1 Corinthians 14. So I'm already here at 1 Corinthians 14, so let's just jump into that one because yesterday's uh, 1 Corinthians 13 was the best, where we ended with love, where it said, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So Paul jumps right into the next part where he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. So he just explained the gifts of the spirit. He explained the importance of love. Now he's saying, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. Um, for, for anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in tongues edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Hmm. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. It's like your own spiritual language between you and God, but I would rather you have but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. So remember, Paul is constantly thinking about the church. Remember, we're still talking about the church, the Corinthian people, the people of Corinth, the Corinthians. And he's saying, look, it's important that you encourage each other. And that's the gift of prophecy. So if God gives you a download to speak to the people, to encourage, to strengthen and to comfort. Um. And, and basically, he's saying, look, if there's not an interpreter for your spiritual language of speaking in tongues, then do it in private between you and God. Um, or if it makes people stumble or confused, because that's between you and God. It's like a self, it's for yourself um, and to edify God. But prophetic word is to encourage. And that is for men and women um, to be, all the gifts are for men and women. Um, 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 I, let's see, I'm moving down to verse 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than, okay, blah, blah, blah. Brothers, oh, verse 20. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regards to evil, be infants. I was a little confused by that, but I understand. It's like, stay away from evil so that when evil approaches you, yeah, you don't have a lot of experience with it. You're not, it's, you're not familiar with it. You don't have great skill at doing evil. So you're like an infant when it comes to evil. And stay that way. But in your thinking, think like an adult. Stop thinking like a child. <laughs> oh, Paul, you're so direct. Um, so then he goes down and he talks about worship. And um, everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Let's see, verse 28. If there is, okay, so he's talking about interpretations. We already talked about that. Um, he also is illustrating how God is a God of order and peace, not of disorder. So a lot of the ways of, of the church should be with order, not judgment and harshness and religiosity and legalism, but God is a God of order. Um, and that should just kind of come naturally when you lead with love. I'm going to go ahead and address the verse that's going to stumble people, mess people up, which is verse 34. Women should remain silent in the church 
They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. Oh, snap. This is where people go, mm, see, close this Bible. We don't like it. Time out. Remember the time. Remember the context. Remember the culture. Of course, people are going to debate what Paul really meant by this. We are not living in those times. We are not living in this culture. The women back then weren't well-educated. Maybe they weren't super articulate in group settings, um, whatever the culture was like. So there's various reasons. But we do know that Paul made it clear in a previous chapter because we, me and you, do not read out of context. We read within context. And we know that the previous chapters, he said men and women are to prophesy and all the gifts of the Spirit. So we know that the women do. So why did he say this? Well, he also said it should be the communication in these meetings should have order. And maybe he's saying that we should have these discussions, that the woman should have the discussion at home first so that the church can have order. It's not that she can't speak in the church because she very much can. It's just my opinion. Other people will argue it differently. But because we don't read it out of context, we're not going to assume that Paul was just honestly dissing all the women and telling them that they can't talk in church. We know that's not true. Um, and so you can dig into that further, but there's very much speculation. Maybe he was just being sensitive to the culture of the time. Maybe if he had just come out and said, hey, women could preach. Well, maybe the church wasn't ready for it. Remember, they're very immature church. They're very immature in their culture, in their ways. So he has to be gentle as he builds their maturity. And so there was a culture and an educational thing that was involved. Okay, then the very end, he says, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Yep, yep, yep. That was uh, 1 Corinthians 14. And then we move on to Psalms 146. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, my soul. I I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. So don't put your hope in man. (laughs) So cool. Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. I love that part because oftentimes we see wicked happening in the world. But you can pray, God, confuse the wicked. Maybe it's somebody like, let's say it's somebody you love and they're doing, living a sinful life. You don't want them to be banished. You don't want them to be killed. You want them to be safe. So you can pray. Make them confused in their worldly ways. Make them... Make... The alcohol tastes like dirt, mud, 
make them despise um, those ways. You can pray like that because then they'll be confused and they'll, they'll want to find hope and the hope is in God. <laughs> okay, 2 Samuel 20 and 21. I am going to explain these chapters to the best of my ability, but you'll have to read them if they interest you, if history interests you, or you want to understand things. Because in two chapters, we're going to pack in a lot, but it's, but it's, it's historical, so you're just going to have to read it. Um, but I'm going to just point out the main things. So there was this troublemaker. His name was Shiva, son of Bikri. A Benjamite happened to be there. He's, um, he sounded the trumpet and shouted, we have no share in David, no part in Jesse's son, every man to his tent of Israel. So basically he was going against King David. What is up? Why are these people all trying to go against King David? So he starts rallying troops together and King David says, okay, we got to put a stop to this because this is going to be worse than Absalom. So send Amasa to go talk to him and to tell him to come back in three days. Amasa was from the rebel army under Absalom, who was now fighting under King David. He took longer than three days. So Joab and his army went out and they came across Amasa, who took longer. And you know what Joab did? Killed him right on the spot. Because he knew that Amasa was from possibly... Because Amasa was from the rebel army, he was never going to be really faithful to King David. Or he was jealous because when King David was angry at Joab for disciplining him, basically, saying, get up and stop crying, you need to lead your army. He gave the leadership role to Amasa, the rebel army, in attempts to unify them. But Joab said, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 I'm still in charge. So he ended up killing this guy. Um, mm -hmm. crazy. So then they go after who? They're going after the Sheba, the Sheba character who goes and hides in a city. So then they go after the city and this elderly woman says, Hey, this is getting ridiculous. Why are we all fighting against each other? We're the same people. And so she says, who's in charge? It's Joab. Tell Joab to come to the city wall. And I want to talk to him. (laughs) That just goes to show that elderly women were respected and were wise um, because Joab went over there. And then she says, this is wrong. This, this is crazy. This is just going to continue. Everyone killing each other. And he says, well, this Sheba guy who's in your city, we have to get him. And she goes, okay, no problem. I'll dangle his head. I'll dump his head over the wall. So she talked to some elders and then they basically chopped off the head of this Sheba guy. Probably because he didn't suspect that the people of the town were going to do this. They cut off his head. She threw it over the wall and the war was over. So they all go back. (laughs) You see what I mean? There's a lot going on in such a simple, just one chapter. And then in the second chapter, um, chapter 21 of 2 Samuel, there was a famine going on. It was happening for three years. And David, King David called on the Lord, like, why are we having this famine? And God said, it's because Saul went against his promise to the Gibeonites. Really? How can we fulfill this prom- This How can we make atonement for this curse? Because everything has cause and effect. 
There was a curse in the ancestors and the curse was being cause and effect. So he went to Gibeonites and said, hey, this is what happened. I understand King Saul wasn't supposed to do this. How can we make atonement? And they said, well, we can't take your gold or silver. We can't think things don't belong to us. So we just need a few people to die from the bloodline of Saul. You see what I mean? It'll never make sense to us. It'll never make sense to us. So King David's like, well, okay, if that's what it's going to take. So he took some of King Saul's bloodline, people from his bloodline, and gave them to the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites killed them. And voila, it rained. I'll never understand that. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't till I get to heaven and say, God, why did you do it this way? Why did this happen? And of course, God will tell me, do you understand gravity? There's cause and effect. And we, we like the blessings of our ancestors. Let's say your great, great, great grandparents, I don't know, created a big company that was wealthy and the wealth went down generation to generation. Blessings. But we don't like it when there's a curse, a punishment that has to be fulfilled from our ancestors that goes down generation after generation. Like we think that's not fair. We'll, we like the blessings, but we don't like the curses. And curses are so real. You can actually actually notice them. They're patterns in families. Let's say someone says, oh, alcoholism is really big in my family. Okay, that's a curse. Break it. Or, oh, yep, my great-grandfather had diabetes. My grandfather had diabetes, so I'm going to have diabetes. Uh, hello, that's a curse. Break it. My ancestors were poor. And then my parents were poor. So we're poor. It's a curse. Break it. So that's what King David was trying to do. Break the curse. And then the end of chapter 21 is such a small section, but it's just talking about all the wars that they had with the Philistines. War after war after war after war several in that one little section, verse 15 to 22. So more history. You can enjoy that. Read it on your own. And I highly encourage you go back and read all these chapters. They're so good. And the coolest part is the Bible will not be so foreign to you. It's not a motivational book. It's not a book of pieces. It's a story. And it's got incredible lessons and things that you do not want to read out of context. So yes, my friends, that was 2 Samuel 20, 21, Psalms 146, and 1 Corinthians 14. I pray you have an amazing day, and uh, we shall talk soon.